Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day and welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, creator of the universe, who extends your paternal concern over every creature and guides the events of history to goals of salvation, we acknowledge your fatherly love when you break the resistance of mankind, and in a world torn by strife and discord, you make us ready for reconciliation. Renew for us the wonders of your mercy. Send forth your spirit, that he may work in the intimacy of our hearts, that enemies may begin to dialogue, that adversaries may shake hands, and peoples may encounter one another in harmony. May all commit themselves to the sincere search for true peace, which will extinguish all arguments, for charity, which overcomes hatred, and for pardon, which disarms revenge. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. That is a prayer composed by St. John Paul II, somebody who knew well the strife and struggles of war. Uh, today, I'd like to begin by uh, reading to you the message that Our Lady gave yesterday, two days ago uh, in Medjugorje. And this was the message to your children. I am looking at you and I see that you are lost. That is why I'm calling all of you. Return to God, return to prayer, and the Holy Spirit will fill you with his love, which gives joy to the heart. Hope will grow in you also for a better future, and you will become joyful witnesses of God's mercy in you and around you. Thank you for having responded to my call. The first line of that is a bit troubling. I'm looking at you, and I see that you are lost. This is interesting because Father Livio, who is the uh, priest director for Italy, uh, spoke to Maria about this message. And uh, in particular, they started right with this first line, I'm looking at you and see that you were lost. Uh, apparently, many people were expecting Our Lady to mention the war. She didn't. She didn't mention it by name. Although, by saying that we're lost could be a reference to the fact that this conflict is raging on. Uh, and she's telling us we have to return to God and return to prayer. Prayer, of course, is the dialogue we have with God. So <clears throat> that's our message. That's our walking papers. That's our orders from heaven. We have to return to God. So many people are lost right now. So many people are being deceived by the spirit of the world, which is, we know, Lucifer. Uh, and that that's a that's a distressing moment, not just for us, but I'm sure for the Lord. You know, when we were praying the Divine Mercy a Novena, the last day was for the lukewarm. And that those are the souls that the Lord said most grieved him while he was enduring his passion. People that were indifferent to the Lord. Imagine dying on the cross for mankind and a great portion of mankind uh, didn't care, still doesn't care wants nothing to do with him. Well, that would be uh, particularly distressing to think that one could give his life and there'd be people that would not even care. Ah, we're in quite a state. So we're entering uh, 
and it's just a few days to enter into the month of May. May, of course, is Our Lady's Month that's dedicated to her. If you remember, as a child, if you went to a Catholic school, I'm sure there was a May crowning that happened in early May, uh, where we um, put together a beautiful crown of, of uh, flowers and crowned Our Lady as our queen. This is the month where spring comes to life. Uh, all is reborn throughout uh, creation, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, it's a time of, uh, of rebirth, and it coincides with the resurrection, with Easter. So it's a good time to recommit ourselves to the sacred and immaculate hearts and to trust in God's mercy and his plans for your life. He wants you to be a saint more than you want to be a saint. So <clears throat> let's recommit. Let's become the children God uh, made us to be, the saints he made us to be, and step out in faith, uh, proclaiming Jesus Christ now and forever. All right. I hope uh, the sound is okay. My speakers weren't working this morning, my headphones, and so I'm talking to you through the phone. I'm getting a bit of feedback on this side. I hope it isn't going out to you, too. Uh, I was sent an email from somebody who wrote an essay and didn't didn't sign their name to it, an anonymous essay. However, it's an interesting look at the time we live in. So I'm going to read that to you and talk a little bit about what how this pertains to us as Catholics and Americans. So this is the essay. It's not very long, uh, so bear with me. Men, like nations, think they are eternal. What man in his 20s or 30s doesn't believe, at least subconsciously, that he will live forever? In the springtime of youth, an endless summer beckons. As you pass 70, it's harder to hide from reality. Nations also have seasons. Imagine a Roman of the second century contemplating an empire that stretched from Britain to the Near East, thinking this will endure forever. Forever was about 500 years, give or take. France was pivotal in the 17th and 18th centuries. Now the land of Charles Martel is on its way to becoming part of the Muslim Umar. In the 19th and early 20th centuries, the sun never set on the British Empire. Now Albion exists in perpetual twilight. Its 95-year-old sovereign is a fitting symbol for a nation in terminal decline. In the 1980s, Japan seemed poised to buy the world. Business schools taught Japanese management techniques. Today, its birth rate is so low and its population aging so rapidly that an industry has sprung up to remove the remains of elderly Japanese who die alone. I was born in 1948, almost at the midpoint of the 20th century, the American century. America's prestige and influence were never greater. Thanks to the greatest generation, we won a world war fought throughout most of Europe, Asia, and the Pacific. We reduced Germany to rubble and put the rising sun to bed. It set the stage for almost half a century of unprecedented prosperity. We stopped the spread of communism in Europe and Asia and fought international terrorism. We rebuilt our enemies and lavished foreign aid on much of the world. We built skyscrapers and rockets to the moon. We conquered polio and now COVID. We explored the mysteries of the universe and the wonders of DNA, the blueprint of life. But where is the glory that once was Rome? 
America has moved from a relatively free economy to socialism, which has worked so well nowhere in the world. We've gone from a Republican government guided by a constitution to a regime of revolving elites. We have less freedom with each passing year. Like a signpost to the coming reign of terror, the cancel culture is everywhere. We've traded the American Revolution for the Cultural Revolution. The pathetic creature in the White House is an empty vessel filled by his handlers. At the G7 summit, Dr. Jill had to lead him like a child. In 1961, when we were young and vigorous, our leader was too. Now a feeble nation is technically led by the oldest man to ever serve in the presidency. We can't defend our borders, our history, including moments to past greatness, or our streets. Our cities have become anarchist playgrounds. We are a nation of dependents, mendicants, and misplaced charity. Homeless veterans camp in the streets while illegal aliens are put up in hotels. The President of the United States can't even quote the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. He said, you know that thing. Ivy League graduates routinely fail history tests that fifth graders could pass a generation ago. Crime rates soar, and we blame the Second Amendment and slash police budgets. Our culture is certifiably insane. Men who think they're women. People who fight racism by seeking to convince members of one race that they're inherently evil and others that they are perpetual victims. A psychiatrist lecturing at Yale said she fantasized about unloading a revolver into the head of any white person. We slaughter the unborn in the name of freedom while our birth rate dips lower year by year. Our national debt is so high that we can no longer even pretend that we will repay it one day. It's a 28 trillion monument to our improvidence and refusal to confront reality. Our entertainment is sadistic, nihilistic, and an enduring and as enduring as a candy bar wrapper thrown in the trash. Our music is noise that spans the spectrum from annoying to repulsive to demonic. Patriotism is called insurrection, treason, celebrated, and perversion sanctified. A man in blue gets less respect than a man in a dress. We're asking soldiers to fight for a nation our leaders no longer believe in. How meekly most of us submitted to Fauciism, the reign of face mechs, lockdowns, and hand sanitizers. And this shows the impending death of the American spirit. How do nations slip from greatness to obscurity? Fighting endless wars they can't or won't win. Accumulating massive debt far beyond their ability to repay. Refusing to guard their borders, allowing the nation to be inundated by an alien horde. Surrendering control of their cities to mob rule, allowing indoctrination of the young. Moving from a Republican form of government to an oligarchy. Losing national identity. Indulging indolence, abandoning faith and family, the bulwarks of social order. In America, every one of these symptoms is pronounced, indicating an advanced stage of the disease. Even if the cause seems hopeless, we do not have an obligation to those who sacrifice so much to give us what we had. I'm surrounded by ghosts urging me on, the Union soldiers who held Cemetery Ridge at Gettysburg, the battered Men of Bastone, those who served in the cold hell of Korea, 
the guys who went to the jungles of Southeast Asia and came home to be reviled or neglected. This is the nation that took in my immigrant grandparents, whose uniform my father and most of my uncles wore in the Second World War. I don't want to imagine a world without America, even though it becomes increasingly likely. During Britain's darkest hour, when its professional army was trapped at Dunkirk and a German invasion seemed imminent, Churchill reminded his countrymen, nations that go down fighting rise again, and those that surrender tamely are finished. The same might be said of causes. If we let America slip through our fingers, if we lose without a fight, what will posterity say of us? While the prognosis is far from good, only God knows if Americans' day in the sun is over. And by the way, this essay mentioned being 28 trillion in debt. We are now 30 trillion in debt and growing every second. And that's the end of this man's essay. Uh, he, he makes many valid points that you can't deny. And I just don't understand why the majority of, of the citizens of this country are not more outraged at the way things are heading. But at the root of everything, as a Catholic priest, I would have to argue that it's we have kicked God out of our country, and that is why the problems persist. Because a country without God is destined to fail. That's really true. Particularly one that was so blessed by God. Listen to this uh, scripture from 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know, in the Office of Readings this week, we have begun from the book of Revelation. And in there, God is addressing uh, communities, whole, you could say nations, uh, on what they're doing well and what he is uh, uh, telling them that they're doing wrong. And he's telling these nations, these uh, communities, if you persist in these things that go directly against me, then your, your nation, your peoples, will be, will be gone. I just won't put my favor on you anymore. We have been duped as a country into thinking we could do things without God. And that's simply not the way it works. When you remove God from your life, there is a void that this, the devil comes running in to fill, and then he will kill you. He, there's nobody the devil desires to uh, in any way bless what he does is he uses you for a time and then he casts you into his pit of fire uh, he hates all human beings because jesus took on human flesh and that irritated lucifer to the point that he was thrown out of heaven and so he's gone to wage war against the children of god that's us and that war is deadly and this country has to turn back to god we must be a people that uh, are begging God for his, his assistance, his wisdom, his knowledge, his, uh, his blessing. We need the blessing of God upon us. 
Now, uh, St. Paul, when he's speaking to the Romans, uh, he had this to say. Uh, Let's see. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from that from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. I would say America is currently experiencing uh, the wrath of God, not because God doesn't love us, because he loves us. You know, a chastisement from God that doesn't annihilate the whole population is actually his mercy. It's to get our attention. It's to turn our head back to him. Yet many people are completely clueless. Uh, God's wrath can either be active or passive. And uh, we can distinguish between the two ways. Vivid demonstrations of God's active wrath have been seen throughout the Old Testament and also in the book of Revelation, which has not yet unfolded. And when God unleashes his active wrath, it's both stunning and cataclysmic and life-altering. Uh, you, you know, he's, we're speaking about fire, we're speaking about brimstone and, and uh, fire raining down from the sky. However, when God reveals his passive wrath, he does not need to do anything other than to step back and allow us to experience the ultimate self-destructive results of sin. That is what we're contending with right now in 2022. The wage of sin is death. And we are experiencing that uh, in such a profound way in all of these crises that are bubbling up, one after the next. You can hardly uh, keep up with all the things that are occurring in this, what was once the greatest nation on the earth. But we're in a great turn now. We've turned into a decaying country full of moral depravity. And we're in literally a quicksand and, and we don't seem to know how to get out of it. And I'll tell you something. The, the most clear and present uh, change that I perceived happening was when President Obama took office. Now, you can disagree with me. That's your right. That's your uh, God-given right to have an opinion. I have one, too, though. And America fundamentally changed when that administration took office. And the moral decay of America escalated at an alarming rate. And today there's large segments of the population uh, who are seemingly unable to distinguish between good and evil. If you have eyes to see, you know this. People do not see the difference between good and evil anymore. In a large, uh, at least in the people that are running things, you know? So the media, the politicians, not all of them, not saying everybody, but the vast majority we seem to have people who do not know the difference between good and evil. We know from uh, the prophet Joel, God is slow to anger, but he does get angry. He gets angry at disobedience because disobedience is sin. 
sin and disobedience. It's you can they're interchangeable. That's the same thing. And when we go against God, who do we think we are? How can we possibly think that we're going to outwit, to outmaneuver, to outpower God? That, that, that would make us the stupidest people on earth. And yet that's what we're trying to do. So we, the collective we, who are trying to do what is good, holy, and just, we have to be on our knees in prayer, praying for the people who are running this country to come to their senses, to pray that the media comes to their senses, whoever is pulling the strings, that they would come to their senses and, and uh, God's will be done. Because we're just in a state of chaos right now. And we're just plagued by so many angry atheists who are bound and determined to remove every vestige of God from public display. Uh, we're being overrun by uh, militant homosexuals who are not content to merely come out of the closet. They want everyone to bow down and worship their lifestyle. Oh, yes, that's true. And now the men who are calling themselves women, uh, they want to have their day in the sun where everybody can exalt them. You know, it's all lunacy. It's complete lunacy. And we have to go back. You know what? God alone assigns gender. That's it. Nobody else. You can you can say things, but you'd be uh, saying by saying that you're you're going to define your own gender means you're just making up things. You're you're a liar. You don't even know it. So we need to return to God, and we have to be praying for the people who are leading people astray. You know, Jesus made that comment. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And woe to those who cause others to sin. Woe is a bad thing when it's coming out of the mouth of God. It's a very bad thing. We have to pray for these people who are leading others uh, to sin, who are trying to rob children of their uh, purity, to rob children of their innocence. That God looks on that with the most, uh, uh, the highest degree of anger to destroy a child's innocence. Uh, Jesus said it'd be better for that person to put a millstone around their neck and throw themselves into the ocean. That's pretty harsh. And yet that's what's happening in this country. The destruction of innocence in children. So what does a nation look like when it's been given uh, over to people having depraved minds? Well, St. Paul addressed this to the Romans too. It's filled with unrighteousness, with wickedness and greed. It's filled with envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. People are gossips and slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil and are disobedient. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and show no mercy. That sounds a lot like the America that we've uh, come to live in in these last few decades. That's kind of the, the news that we see on the front pages, splattered across the pages every day. We're getting dangerously close to the climax of God's passive wrath on America, and that is going to give way to God's uh, active wrath. Uh, where he's going to actually start uh, allowing events to occur that would get our attention. You know, if you remember 9-11, that it changed the, not just the country, it changed the world. 
for about three weeks, everybody was packing the churches on their knees praying. And then it started to just wane away, and people started going back to the very lifestyles they were living prior to September 11th, on September 10th. Uh, and, and now you would have no sense that anything has changed. Things, in fact, things have gotten much worse. So it's time to wake up. It's time to rise from the sleep that's been going on across this country for two, three, four, five decades. And it's time to return to God. Turn back. As Our Lady said, turn back to God, turn back to prayer, and let the Holy Spirit fill you, and then you will be joyful. It's a promise. Anything that comes from heaven is a promise. They can't lie in heaven. And so that's a promise. Turn back to God, turn back to prayer, the Holy Spirit will fill you, and you will have the joy of heaven. Thank you for tuning in today. I, I hope I'll have this speaker thing fixed by tomorrow. May the blessing of Almighty God come down upon you and remain with you forever, and I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out. <laughs>